Welcome in to the final episode of Just Basketball for August 2023. Not the final, we're going nowhere. Like, you know, uh, it's like when Leo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street's like screaming, that's me. Okay. And we're not going anywhere. I mean, the NBA season hasn't even started. It'd be a pretty disappointing run for us if we were over by the time our first full season began. So, yes. It'd be tough. Uh, tough. Follow us everywhere. Yes. If you're finding Find us for the your... first time, speaking of the yeah. season starting. Yeah, podcast platform of choice, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Please subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already as well. Um, got some cool video content and, and news coming on that front. Do you know it's a new member of the team once we can officially announce that? Very excited about that. Want to tell you about our friends at Homage as well, an ultra-comfortable specialty apparel company. Brendan, pull up that shirt one more time. The losing Las Vegas Aces who won the championship last year, and I'm celebrating them. Homage, yeah. great license, wonderful yeah, NBA stuff. Yes, I have a great Cleveland Rockers tee. They sent us some great. Brendan has a great uh, Grand Canyon tee. They, they're all really soft, vintage-inspired designs that pay homage to the greatest stories, traditions, and figures across sports, music, and pop culture. Use the link in our show description to make your purchase and support the Just Basketball show. All right, we're going to do a WNBA-focused show today. Um, we're going to talk about Ben Simmons because he gave an interview. We're just going to really just dive into to Ben Simmons and if there's any hope. We're going to, as the next couple of weeks, I mean, we're still like a month away from media days in the NBA, like six weeks away from preseason at this point. We still have a little bit of time. What we are going to do is, I think, every so often hit on some season preview topics, get ahead of it a little bit. Some of the things that maybe aren't the number one or like a top 20 necessarily storyline for next season, but hit some of these things along the edges. But, Brendan, I want to ask you one thing first, just kind of off the cuff here. And I didn't I, I didn't want you to prep for this one specifically. Okay. Let's do it. So, did, Austin Reeves, the, the videos that we saw like after this game – where like then like Anthony Edwards is like singing and like making fun of how the fans are reacting to him. Yeah, uh, you, if I'm assuming you saw this, I did. Okay, I figured Anthony Edwards like singing. I just added it just... to my file in my computer called Anthony Edwards Digital Shrine. It's just like yes. a big package I have at this point, and I just you know scroll through it from time to time, fall a little bit more in love. Yeah, when you want, when you need a little bit of joy in your life, that's it. Is this Austin Reeves? Like the reaction he's getting, is this a Laker thing or is this like a look at this, look at this white boy from Arkansas who's good at basketball thing? It depends on who the reaction is coming from. I think the reaction that he's gotten with this audience in terms of the live fans at this World Cup, considering that it is in Asia, what I would attribute it to is Kobe Bryant, if, if we're being yeah. like very deep with it. Uh, you know, Kobe is incre- was incredibly, is incredibly popular in China, as we were reminded uh, when he passed and the tributes and sh- speaking of shrines that, that went up all around. So I think it's just that. It's just Austin Reeves plays for a franchise that has international global recognition and therefore he's going to be more famous than maybe even his, in my opinion, very legitimate talent would indicate. But if you're talking about NBA fans, I do think there's a little bit of Lakers there as well, but I think that actually we're headed towards something where uh, it reminds me a little bit of where uh, Alex Caruso, the, the, the comparisons that were getting thrown around midway through last year and Reeves had to nip them in the bud and say like, we're different players. It just so happens we're both white dudes who came out of nowhere and broke through on the Lakers with this LeBron era. I think the other reason those guys are different is that Reeves is way better in my opinion. I think that Austin Reeves is a legitimate offensive engine uh, in a secondary capacity. I think what he did last year is real. I think he will be the third best player on the Lakers, bar none. Like, There's no one else I think is even going to be close this season, and he's going to be one of the best contracts in the NBA by like tomorrow, if he's not, uh, if we don't already feel that already. Yes. Uh, nothing to add there. Just want to throw that out there. Why not hit one other FIBA thing? I mean, let me let me ask you this, though. Like, I, I do yeah. think that there is almost like this backlash to the backlash with Reeves already where it's like, come on. Like, I've heard of I, hosting a Suns podcast, a lot of the people I bring on who are fans of Phoenix or other Western Conference teams want to tamp down the Austin Reeves stuff like it was a, an aberration last year. Where are you on the spectrum of aberration to super legit? 
I would lean way more super legit. I think this is just like a good player. Yeah. Like this is just an actual good basketball player that like I don't think he's going to be on the Olympic team in here, but he deserves to be like on this World Cup team. That's more a mix of up and comers and guys finding their footing in the league a little bit, right? Like I, I don't think it's crazy that he ended up on this team somehow. It's you know I was we were texting about a um a, I don't want to Jake's not with us anymore in terms of production. He's still alive, but uh, <laughs> I was going to say get, whoa. <laughs> I don't want to get hit with the I don't I can't get hit with the bell anymore, but. There's like there's a certain player on the on the team I cover primarily that like may or may not like could could in theory be like in conversation for another national team, and it, I think it's like it's funny that there's Reeves has kind of made it over certain guys that have like a better pedigree than him so per se because like this is an undrafted guy who's a little bit older all that stuff but he's just like a good player and I texted you. Like I can't figure out. Like it so baffles me. I understand maybe you 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 responded that Fariente is maybe broken, and I think that's probably the answer. And congrats to Dylan Heiser for being on his team, being able to capitalize on this. Mm-hmm. But like it's nuts to me that he like didn't get like he deserved to get the maximum amount of money that he got, and if only from like he showed enough for another team to try to screw with LeBron and, and Genie Bus, and then no team did that, and he now makes less per year than Rui Hachimura, and will hit for agency, I think, at like either the same year or like a year later, depending on options and things. Than He's Rui making Hachimura like the well. same amount of money as PJ Tucker. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? It's it's crazy. I mean, I, I just don't see a way you could say that what he's doing isn't legit. He's been in the league two years now, 60-plus percent true shooting both seasons. At worst, you would say he's an average defender. Um, I think in a context where he's not having to guard like John Morant and Jamal Murray, and they maybe have a, a, an upgrade to be made on on that at that position, maybe that's even just Gabe Vincent uh, this year. Like He might even look a little better defensively. I, I just don't know how you can really poke holes in it outside of just you know, nobody likes to praise the Lakers, but yeah, uh, definitely deserves to be on this team. And I think, like I said, he's going to be the third best player on a real championship contender. And there's not a lot of people you could say that about. The last thing I want to say about FIBA before we move on is I think maybe the coolest moment of the tournament so far, I, I would say I actually think definitively it is the coolest moment of the tournament. The scenes of Japan beating Finland and how much this meant their five, seven guard hitting a clutch three over Larry Marketing, who's seven feet tall. Yutuantanabe playing like a, a G League guy in the team, like an American born guy playing for that team. There's just a lot. Did you just call like, him a G Leaguer? My no, no, eighth no, man? A, oh, oh no, you're I, saying a different no, player. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was about to Look, I, get get his name out of your mouth like that. Come on. Brendan, I Brendan, here's here's something you may not know about me. And if I it, it it's my fault if you don't. Part of the reason I'm like really bullish on the Phoenix Suns is because I absolutely love you to want to not pay. I'm a, I'm a little I've kind of I've been a fan since before like he figured out how to shoot threes, which obviously has made a big deal. But I'm still like, yeah, I kind of I kind of like what this guy's doing. But like Japan winning with no Rui mm-hmm. and beating European team, not like a power, but like a team with Lowry marketing on it and some other good guys. That this is this is what we want to see. Yeah, on their home court, very big. It, it was mm-hmm. cool. It was, uh, yeah, yeah you, you mentioned Utah, and he, I think, had made no uh, mistake about the fact. I think he said outright that if they keep losing in these high-profile games in such a ugly fashion that he was just going to quit the team. Like, he's threatening to leave on top of, you know, the pressure already on them with the, the setting being their, their literal country. So, uh, yeah, all those stakes and everything made it... A cool moment. You know, they're probably still building towards something. It feels like none of those Asian countries have been able to be consistently great on the on the national stage, but maybe it'll be them. You never know. I think Rui playing in the Olympics next year with this group, like, that would be a step, and he's young. Do it. All right, let's talk about Ben Simmons. Brendan Ben Simmons gives an interview to Mark Spears at Anscaped. He is... The, the the SEO is he's locked in. He says he's locked in for a comeback from injury. I don't um, think anybody knows what SEO is. Search engine optimization. I I, I hopefully the short title that you it. see on the little tab bar. Yeah, yeah. It it yeah. Okay, that, that's true. I should have should have thought. Can that, I? But, can I? Well, we're gonna break down if he can uh, make good on the claims that he put forth. I think in in as serious a way as we can can do here there's a lot of ridiculousness about ben simmons 
that is very well uh, documented. We've had fun at his expense on this show because it has just been an insane two years for a lot of different reasons. To take some of the load off of him when it comes to this interview and get one silly thing out of the way before we try to break his basketball game down, what is the question posed by Mark Spears about why after KD and Kyrie asked out that Ben Simmons did not also ask for a trade? What was the goal with that question? What would have happened? What, what would it like? Ben Simmons not getting traded. That is the most like just putting him in such a bad spot, such like a yeah. misunderstanding of every context going on with the Brooklyn Nets and Ben Simmons's career that Ben yeah, Simmons even, walking into Shark, yeah. Sean Mark's office would have gone well at all. Yeah, it's that's not a Nets thing. That's a Ben Simmons had has no ground to ask for a trade. Like he, it was hard for him to, for Askwarn and Philly with where things ended up. Yeah, and like I don't know what that trade for him looks like unless James Harden also at the same time, like unless like all of that just kind of breaks in a certain way, right? Um, it got really complicated. I mean, depending on what you believe, that could have been Tyrese Halliburton. So actually, you know, history uh, the sliding yeah. doors moment there actually could have gone a lot better for them. But no, it got ugly for sure. Yeah, so like I, I just look there are. There are a few number of players in this league that can actually go to a general manager, a president of basketball operations, a head coach, and owner, look their locker room in the face, I would assume, and be like, yeah, I want to trade. And it, like, it not just be something that gets like scoffed at. Like, also, as if Ben he, Simmons hasn't been clowned online enough, Mark Spears is assuming he wants to dig himself a deeper hole by asking for another trade out of a city that he barely did anything for. Like, come on, Mark. Yeah. It was just a weird, yeah, weird, weird question, weird phrasing. He he asked the next question was, "What do you love about Brooklyn?" He could have just asked like, "How do you like living in? How do you like playing in Brooklyn? Like, what has it been like living there and or wherever he lives in New York? Like, what mm-hmm. has it been like living there after being in Philly and, and all that stuff?" Um, Brennan, here's where I'm at with Ben Simmons. I don't feel like we know exactly what he is anymore, and I think that makes any projections of him incredibly difficult where are you at on this why can't he just be exactly what he was in philly by the end which by the end was much different than in the middle but let's just say he is what he was in the second round against atlanta the last games he played as a sixer where he's incredibly hesitant to shoot the ball to absorb contact in any way, shape, or form, but is still a really valuable wing defender, versatile, switchable guy who can really juice your transition offense and create great shots for teammates. Can he not be that? I guess it's just like, is it is Brooklyn even like the right place for that? What is the right place for that? Right? In what like, way? Basketball-wise or vibe-wise? Uh, basketball purely. I, I don't want to get into vibes. I don't think yeah. anyone can really speak Well, I think basketball-wise, it's pretty perfect for him. And I mean, I guess Nick Claxton is somewhat of a less-than-perfect fit. But, I mean, for the same reason we thought this was a pretty nice Kevin Durant team, it's also a pretty nice Ben Simmons team. They have wings galore, shooters galore. And honestly, what they're kind of lacking in is ball handling. So if you're telling me like Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't have to do everything uh, in terms of dribbling and passing anymore, and they can put, you know, him, Dinwiddie, McHale, Cam, and Claxton out there, like, and you're getting that 2021 Ben Simmons again, it seems pretty, um, maybe, I mean, that's better than Philadelphia for him, right? That's better than Embiid mucking things up and Tobias not wanting to shoot threes and whatever else was going on by the end there, in my opinion. Yes. I think that's right. I think it's like for Brooklyn, I guess this would be different if Brooklyn had like a 21-year-old blue chip guy to really cater to. Right now, that's just not the situation that franchises in. And maybe that works in Ben's favor. It's like they have Mikhail Bridges who had an amazing upswing in what he was and what he showed he was capable of maybe Brennan you as his biggest fan maybe thought he always could do that but like he really showed the world something different once he got the for one third of a season and not the playoffs just to yes sure so there is I think actually to your point with Mikhail they probably want to let him 
mess around and yeah, experiment but a little it, more. But right. it's not like they have him and, and, and like, Gabe Cunningham or him yeah, and yeah, Jalen yeah. Green. It's exactly. not like he's in sure. Houston and there's, like, a bunch of bodies. It's like you look at this roster, it's like... Cam Thomas, you're forgetting. I mean, future All-Star. Okay. No, I, it's not a world. Is Okay, but, it, like, it's, like, Dinwiddie and Royce O'Neal and Lonnie Walker, the four. Like, it's... Dennis Smith, it's there. There's no one aside from McHill on this team that you're really just like, okay, we actually really need to let Ben. Like it, it's detrimental to this person to let Ben try to figure himself out. Like the Nets are not a title contender this year. They owe Ben Simmons a lot of money for <laughs> for the next several years. Like it is whether for trade value or whether just to figure out if you can like play him like it's it is only two more years so it's not like we're looking at like five years here it's two more seasons for 37.8 and then 40.3 like so it's not like it's still a lot of money but it's not like the the, the craziest contract at this point yeah is but like there's not like if there is a world to your point where like he can get him a lot, like if there's a situation where he can play himself out, it is probably not a bad one for a a coach in Jacques Vaughn who seems to be getting grave reviews from his players. B in a situation where there's no real expectation to win a ton of games, just to like have a good culture right now as a kind of still like a post KD Kyrie reset. And C in a situation where like there's one other kind of lead ball handler guy who absolutely is going to just deserves at his age and what he is and what he could be to surge in a certain way. Like, again, there's no Kate Cunningham here. There's no Jalen Green here. There's, there's no Scoot Henderson that just got drafted coming in here. Like it's, it's all things considered not a bad spot for Simmons. If they're going to let him play. The question is, I, I look, I, I just think it's curious to see like how like are we gonna know early with this? Are we gonna like is he just gonna go from the rip? Like what's the, what? How does that look? Is really my big question here. Yeah, there's a couple things I think that'll decide that. One is it it seemed like Jacques Vaughn was pretty frustrated by the whole thing last year, right? Yeah. And which which doesn't surprise me. And I think that's very fair. If you're a head coach, you want certainty, you want dependability, you want especially if you're him who's trying to like build something amid a lot of chaos yeah like i get it absolutely and so does does that get better what position does he see ben simmons playing on this team you know he made the decision before ben got shut down with the back thing that uh simmons was just going to basically be like a backup center and and then he wasn't even good enough at that and i think if i remember the trajectory of everything correctly he was getting dnps uh, like coach's decision before even the back stuff really started to flare up. But you look at the numbers and, you know, his his at rim frequency went down a little bit last year, but still for a, you know, theoretically a guard uh, was pretty high. And then his finishing actually went up, you know, obviously not as many, not as high a volume because he just didn't play very much, but finished 69% at the basket. And, uh, you know, those are the shots you want him taking. He, you know, is fallen off a lot in terms of how much he gets sh- uh, shooting fouls drawn and, and things like that. But again, if he's if he's not a premier and, fo- and focal point of your team and he can just be a wing defender, ball handler type of guy, I, I don't think he's unplayable. I don't think he's terrible. But, you know, he's it's going to be incredibly difficult for him to ever reach the point that he was at because you just can't play basketball so timidly and expect to do much. Um, The other part of this, though, from my standpoint, that's interesting is um, a lot of the stuff he says around his injury. I think it is reasonable to question the timeline and the seriousness that he's kind of talking about here like he gets asked in this interview um what were the hardest parts of your career and one of the things he lists off is the time that he got traded when he was hurt he didn't he want to be traded like that confused me he talks about some of the severity of this back thing you know he says that it, it got intensified as he was uh, trying to come back by walking up the stairs, you know? And if it's truly that significant and he's 
being like fully honest about how it how it affected him like I don't know why you would think a dude as big as him who does have a history of other types of injuries is going to be healthy like ever again. I mean, we're having the same conversation about Lonzo Ball. I know it's more significant, but a, a dude who can't like walk up and down stairs or get up from bed without feeling significant pain, that doesn't sound like a guy who's going to be reaching anything close to the heights we're talking about, even if it is just like the reduced version we saw at the end of the Philly time. Like, that seems super serious, but he's talking about it somewhat casually. That's what was weird to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everything with Ben, the whole thing, just how he's kind of talked about it, it has always just felt, like, a little weird to me. And, like, I, that's not really the point of, I think, what we're hitting on here, but this whole thing has just felt like... I feel like we are just, like, missing information on, like, from, like, so many angles of this. And if one day there's like a Ben Simmons like thirty for thirty, and it's like we learn a bunch of stuff, like I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I mean, like I'm sure, like, <laughs> like there's stuff with clutch, there's stuff with the Sixers, there's stu- there's just like so many angles of this where it's I don't feel like we know actually everything. Well, there's and that's just, like, the information other information missing. That's the other part of when he speaks publicly like this is there's now this uh, increased layer of legalese that has to be like navigated by him, right? Because there there was an actual lawsuit levied against the 76ers in order to get back pay for the money that they fined him for not showing up during his holdout. And so he can't necessarily be honest about everything, but also the honesty would go a long way, I think, to help his fans and the fans of the team he's, teams that he's played for like understand the situation. So it is super bizarre, but I mean, the stakes are super high. If this guy doesn't get his act together, I'm not sure if he's in the NBA after this contract. I'm not sure. I mean, I think there's a world where like, if this doesn't go well, he's maybe not. He's like done after this season in some way. Yeah. I think if it's, they bought him out, like, you know, something. Or, yeah. or like middle, middle of the season, like doesn't work. It's just like go home. We're there. Yeah. I, we're, we're staring down the abyss of Ben Simmons, and it's it's more unfortunate. I think if you don't have empathy for him in some way and how sad this this is gone, like I understand you can feel a certain way as a fan, whatever. I think there's a big part of that's just it's it's sad more than anything else. Yeah, All right, let's move on sure. to Liberty Aces. Uh, number one thing that I guess did change here is the, the market as far as the title odds at a, from our friends at BetMGM have shifted. The Liberty much. are down, but like plus one fifty five is another knock off that. Like it was like plus mm. over to plus two hundred, I believe. Yeah. So it's like yeah. it sh- it's it has shrunk too closer, and it, the betting markets are saying, "Hey, there's two teams we really think could win this. The Aces are still minus one sixty. Doesn't it just feel like play. the Aces should be like plus one hundred though? That's the part. That's the side of it that I keep being surprised by. I, like the Liberty yes. are getting closer to 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 even, but the Aces are staying pretty big minus favorites to win it all even though they keep this like should, yes the liberty are winning but the other side of that is the aces lose like it's it's not a one-sided outcome of these games the, this is like a uh ufc title fight where both were like it should be my both sides are minus 110 sure yeah either way I, I i'm thinking of it like they should both be plus but both being minus makes sense too but just I don't I mean I look I don't know the gambling verbalese like exactly like that I'm not trying to sit here and tell you exactly what this should look like what I'm saying is I think they should just be even and these are by far yep. the best two teams it's that close yep so I think the way we were this. yeah yeah no no I just want to ask you the, we just see this game the Liberty win the Aces do make a little bit of a push late but it's like still kind of like John Cole Jones is in foul trouble. Kelsey Plum fouls out of this game. Like Sid Colson's out here hitting threes. Like Stewie isn't particularly good offensively for much of this game. I guess I guess Stephanie Dolson like came in and like she did some important things. I guess is one of the things where it's like, oh, she's going to be useful if these teams do end up playing in the finals. I guess yeah. when I ask you, did we learn anything new from from this matchup between these two teams? I think in in a macro sense no because this was the fifth matchup between these teams but i would say it reinforced what to me is actually like somewhat of a simple uh takeaway simple analysis here which is the advantages that the liberty have over this aces team especially with candace parker out 
aren't going anywhere. And if anything, with people like, you know, John Quill Jones developing over the course of the season, Stephanie Dolson coming back, different players getting confidence against this team, like they might have even intensified. And at the end of the day, the Aces, I just where they are without Candace Parker, without Raquana Williams, who uh, never played for this team this year, uh, they are in a situation where they look very human on defense, as they did for a lot of last year's regular season, but their offensive ceiling has taken a significant enough hit as a result of those two absences that it's not good enough to make up for that poor defense. And so they just look incredibly beatable, and they have now gotten beat by the other co-favorite as we're thinking of them as the the New York Liberty that it would be an even matchup if these teams faced off in the finals if not I'm depending on I guess home court advantage will will depend to decide some of that but to me you know the Liberty have more than proven that they have the advantage in this matchup I feel I mean I look I pick them a little bit out of just like kind of just like fandom and trying to be kind of contrarian, I guess mm-hmm. I would say, um, in in us talking about this, right? Like, I, I think like that was definitely part of my, the the bit I was putting forth in, in talking about this. But this team like can do kind of anything it needs to against the Aces, and we've seen them. Like, they don't look, if the first game they looked uncomfortable and they have lost to them since, I don't th- I don't think like they've looked uncomfortable since that first game. Like they used that first game was almost like a data download. In retrospect, that first game was like they downloaded what they needed to and they've adjusted and Brianna and like Sabrina Inescu is also just like is an absolute gamer. It feels like she's showing up a couple couple times in these really big moments where Stewie is getting physically kind of whacked and like really taken out of her spots a little bit at times and Sabrina's like, okay, bet, I'm just gonna like go nuclear and it's just like I'm gonna outplay Kelsey Plum in a bunch of these games. It's like, oh, they can out they like they can absolutely do this. And and, I, and at this point I would be surprised. I would kind of be surprised at this point, Brendan, if this series isn't like A super close and B like if it's like not a, a liberty sneak it out in five, even if that means having to win on the road. What if uh, if I asked you what the biggest advantage that the Liberty have is now that we've seen this so many times, what would you say? What would you pick as like the number one thing that that they kind of have over Vegas? I think it is the way the different looks they can throw at Asia Wilson. I think that's where this starts. I think with I think with a Brianna Stewart being able to defend the way she can and her being able to handle that assignment for stretches and provide length. And like, yes, she's not as strong as Asia, but she doesn't really get beat off her spot in a way other people do. I think that is massive. That's a massive advantage because it allows them to play these very different lineups and really stretch things out on the offensive end. And then when it's not Stewie, it's John Quill Jones who after a slow start with this team has really found a groove and has given like amazing defensive minutes against Asia Wilson in the post, which very few people can do. Asia Wilson, mostly most of the time, as we saw her just do when she scores 53, just kind of wrecks people inside with footwork and strength and everything about her game. That doesn't happen against Liberty, in part mostly because those two players give her these different looks that really throw wrinkles at her that I don't think any other team can. Yeah, I... I think to me, and it's a it's a it's a spin off of what you're saying, but it's just size. I it's just size at every position. It is the ability to play big without size. I mean, this the advantage Liberty have against mostly anybody, but the advantage to play big without it feeling old fashioned, right? I mean, that's that's where basketball is going. Maybe the WNBA doesn't have quite as many teams that can get there, but the NBA's been there. You know, the ability to have bigs who play like guards and wings is the ultimate cheat code of basketball and and the Liberty have two of those and so they're able to defend the interior, defend the paint without it feeling like they're selling out to do it or having to play these crazy 
uncomfortable lineups. They just roll out their normal rotation and and they just have that advantage. And then you get to, you know, Benajah Laney and Kayla Thornton and Stephanie Dolson and some of these role players who also are bigger than their matchups for Vegas. And it's it's just ugly. I think you would have said that that Vegas's ability to play five out in their own right, control the pace and just move the ball like they had was going to be enough to just still lift them higher. But without Candace Parker, that went away. Kia Stokes looks pretty unplayable a lot of the time and they're just running out of, of players to put out there and, and make an impact. And I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point where we'll have a lot of playoff runway to go, but I'm not even positive. It's like five close games. It might be, it might be even more in in the Liberty's favor at this point for me, but um, you know, time will tell. So, I guess. so uh, one other question, then I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you just to make like a real like updated prediction at this point. I obviously am just locked in on, on the Liberty at this point. I've I'm ready to order some merch. And our friend Chris, Brandon, are you aware that uh, our our friend of the program, director of partnerships at Den of Geek, Chris Longo, bought a Sabrina Nescu jersey after I went to the Liberty game with him? Are you aware of this? No, but I love it. He brought us a Brindinescu jersey, and I really love that for him personally. Um, he's very proud of it. We are currently trying to bully a gr- other people in a group text we are in into like supporting the W more, and uh, I will shame them if I have to, if I'm being honest. Well, I think the playoffs are going to be great, partially because of a, a team we're going to talk about momentarily yes. pushing so, these top two, but yeah. Yes. So here's my question. I think one of the other advantages the Liberty have is that they have two legit just like wild cards that can really just kind of shape games. One is Sabrina Ionescu, and the other is Marie Hannes. Mm-hmm. They have these two players who absolutely can get red hot and are not at all fearful of big moments and big shots and taking looks when they get them and pressing themselves when they feel like there's an opportunity there. I think compared to what how the Aces have looked offensively in these last couple of games, not saying like Kelsey Plum can't do this or Jackie Young can't do this, but I think that the chaos factor I think is absolutely in favor of the Liberty if these two teams get there. And I, I do think that's something that yes, it can rise and fall a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think it can help. I think it's I think it's some a reason I like them in this matchup. Yeah, and that's what Raquana Williams was for last year's Aces. She was just a ceiling raising type of offensive player where if if she doesn't play well they can still win by 10 but if she does play really well there's almost no shot at beating them and i think that's pretty much what johannes is for for new york this year uh i would say if you're just trying to make the case for vegas and not be too bleak about it at this point chelsea gray has not played great in most of these head-to-head matchups but one of the reasons that the aces went from like decent favorite to what felt like an unbeatable force in last year's postseason is that she put together just like one of the best shot making performances of all time and i don't exactly feel like the liberty really have an answer for that i mean you could say benajah laney and i think she's done a good job but it's pretty easy to get if it's one defender on the court who can defend a certain player it's pretty easy for chelsea gray to just get her out set a mm-hmm. quick screen get the matchup she wants and go to work and i do think that's the one thing we haven't fully seen vegas do is just go super simple go you know lebron james harden luka Doncic mode with some of their best scorers and just get the matchup get the mismatch that they want and punish it and i think both asia although it's a little harder for the reasons you mentioned but especially chelsea gray can just go god mode and make you know 50 percent from mid-range for a series and that's kind of i guess vegas's version of the sabrina you know uh sabrina johannes duo kind of upside play that that the liberty obviously have is chelsea gray just breaking every scheme you throw because somebody who could just pull up from 15 feet and make everything is that's not guardable all right uh right now who's your pick to win it all i would have to go with the liberty and we've heard nothing about candace parker so like there's not really yeah, a, a, I, a silver lining or light at the end of the tunnel there for them yes i i tend to agree i tend to agree okay moving on 
Moving on to the Washington Mystics and the return of Elena Deladon. Brendan, she came back. They beat the Aces by 16, and I will say the Aces obviously are in this, like, two... To another point in their favor, like they have been on this long East Coast road trip just around the White House. Like it has, like this is like a slog, mm-hmm. and like NBA, WNBA, college. Like when you do go on these trips, sometimes like it can just like be exhausting to be out of your home comfort zone for a while, and particularly in the W. Like I think that can be really grating on teams. Um, so I, I want to like throw that in, in that as well a little bit, but she's back and like, you know, if she's healthy is obviously the, the biggest question with this team every year, but they've got a lot of other players. I believe back from injury as well. And if she's back and their offense can hit this high level, like this is a dangerous team and a team we should be paying attention to. I think without a doubt, uh, we talked when Sabrina merchant from the athletic was on with us the second time this year, about a month ago now, about, uh, and I said, like, the Aces are just one of those teams that make you get a little bit poetic. And the the peak of what the Mystics have been under Mike Tebow and now his son running the team who was an assistant for a long time and they play the same way now is similar. And I wrote uh, when Deladon won MVP in 2019, uh, this line from my MVP write-up for Forbes uh, any healthy season for Deladon in concert with an imaginative, steadfast coach like Tebow puts her in the MVP conversation and it puts them in the championship conversation. And if she's there, I still believe that. She's probably not going to be the type of player who can handle heavy minutes and physical series and, and reach that ceiling that she used to be able to hit because she's had another round of significant injuries even since. Uh, you know, we wondered about it four years ago when I wrote that, but, and she probably won't be the level of defender that she was at her peak, which was never great, but maybe a little above average, especially as a help defender. I I don't even know if she can get to that at this point, but to me, Washington, like they're going to have a great game plan and, and out execute you pretty much every night. And on top of that, their wing trio with Brittany Sykes, Natasha Cloud, and Ariel Atkins is about as good of a defensive, two, really two-way group that you could possibly ask for. And when you're talking about matching up with Vegas in specific, there's really no team equipped better than them in the whole league to guard the Aces trio of perimeter players, which is really their, that's their big advantage. I mean, Asia's fantastic, but they open up what Asia is able to do. And it's so rare to have three great players like that in any basketball team. The Washington Mystics don't have the offensive firepower, but they have those three wings who can lock those three down. And so I like them in that matchup specifically quite a bit. We can talk about the Liberty matchup, uh, but but that level of defensive upside plus Deladon plus a great coach and infrastructure, like if they're all healthy, which they are now, that's a championship contender, whether we think of them that way from what we've seen in the regular season or not. Plus 5,000 odds. Certainly, it will be an uphill battle. So, yeah, see, I mean, I can't I, I, I can't advocate for betting on them because I bet on them to beat, uh, I believe it was Seattle that they played last year in the playoffs, and uh, it was not close. So, lost, so lost some money I, on that. Would you would we say tepid optimism is, is the way to go here? I mean, what do you think? I went on a big soliloquy and, you know, read my own I, writing I think, and was, you know, on a little bit of a, of a roll I, there. But I what want, do you want? I what want, do you think I about the guys? Le- I, w- I want to let you cook like Austin Reeves in, in Asia. Um, I, I think tepid optimism is where I'm at because Elena Deladon could get hurt tomorrow and I wouldn't be surprised. That That's just the unfortunate reality of this. She could get hurt any day. And okay, this is over. setting injuries aside, because that's, I mean, Asia Wilson could get hurt tomorrow. It might not be yeah, as likely, okay. but okay. that... Look, yeah, that's the thing. This is likelier than any other injury we could consider. Okay, let's that's, imagine that's... a world in which the healthy Washington Mystics take on the, as they are currently looking, Las Vegas Aces. Thoughts? I think I think What does that matchup win, look like? I, I think they lose it, because I think the, the talent of Aces and the, and the wing talent and scoring talent probably just wins out ultimately but i think this could be the third best team in the w at full strength like i think they would probably be the team i would like most like to see like push one of these two teams at full strength like Atlanta deladon at when healthy 
is like the kind of scorer that like Stewie can be mm-hmm. and like is right. Like it is that level of offensive firepower that unlocks with her and what she brings to you. It's, it's nothing you can replace otherwise. And they have like, again, the, the coaching thing is right. That the other talent on the team I think is pretty good. Like it's, it's maybe they're deeper than Vegas. They're deeper than Vegas. They have more bodies. And when you add the scoring punch, like hello, like let, let's you can get after it and, and really make things work. Yeah, it's all predicated on Deladon being, you know, to be honest, like even better, probably uh, in terms of how much she would have to lift than even in 2019. And you know, she's 33 now, so there's no Emma Mieseman on this team like there was four years ago. Christy Tolliver is on this team, but looks unlikely to play this year the rest of the way and is already, you know, she's 36 herself, probably not a great bet that you want to count on her. So the offense is is in, in an even worse place overall than it was when they won the championship. But if you're talking about one series or, you know, a handful of games, the three-point upside that they have plus Deladon to me uh, combined with their defense, which at its best is probably the best in the league i mean i don't know I, that's that's debatable um but yeah to me that they're, they're it's obviously it feels like a little disrespectful to connecticut who's very far and away the three seed right now but i just don't think that team has the offensive upside because they don't have a player like deladon the other thing i would say that i think is at least beneficial for washington is they also got shakira austin back this month from from missing over a month yeah, not as impactful for their ceiling this year in terms of as as getting Deladon back. Obviously, but you get her back, she's she's her minutes have ramped up as she's come back. She played thirteen in her first game back, then fifteen, then nineteen, then played twenty one in the win over Vegas. Uh, as we're recording this, they're playing in Minnesota right now. I haven't looked at the box score of that game. I'll be checking it out after we wrap. They're up five. You're good. Yeah, and then her I'll see what her Minnesota is. I guess too, but. When you look ahead to like maybe building on a pot, like for for me, if I'm them, if I can make some noise in the playoffs, Atlanta stays healthy, Shakira Austin gets some really good playoff experience, and you can make some moves in the summer to round out this roster and support those two. I feel like that that's the way forward here. It's not so much like can they like rattle the the top of the league here and pull it up? So I think they could. I don't think it's super likely, but can you set the stage for for what's to come a little bit? All right, let's get on to some other final stretch topics here, Brendan. Uh, first one, Brandon Stewart MVP is something I just have like kind of assumed was going to happen, and then you throw this thing in uh, from a uh, uh, from DraftKings. Asia Wilson minus one ten, Brandon Stewart plus one ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really get that. I don't either. I think Asia's been great this year, but like I think Stewie's been the best player in the league and is the best player in the league. Yeah, it's um it just feels like best player in the best teamy. I guess, but I also just think part of why uh, before we even saw the Aces lose the way that they have to the Liberty, which we just got done talking about, I, I had assumed that there would be another component of it that would just be the cannibalizing of the votes, which we see happen on a lot of great kind of super-ish teams. Steph and KD didn't win MVP while they were both in Golden State, right? Like, that happens, and I thought that would happen with the Aces, but for some reason, uh, it hasn't fully happened. Uh, positive residual who did some work with The Ringer and does a lot of great NBA and WNBA stat stuff. He's one of the only people that compiles like an actual um, one stat fits all type of thing for the W because basketball reference does not have box plus minus for this league yet. Um, Mm -hmm. Stewie is sixth for him. I'm assuming it's a him, I believe, um, on, on this dashboard. And... That's behind all four of the Aces' best players. Jackie Young is actually at the top of this list. Uh, and it's like estimated contribution is the name of this stat. And Alyssa Thomas is second. And Stewie is, f- um, like I said, sixth. So that would lead you to believe Alyssa Thomas should be the MVP. I don't think that's going to happen. She's plus 1,100. I don't think voters are going to give her the the nod. This is humans voting. That's the other part to remember. Um but I was surprised to see that, and a lot of it is the defense. Stewie is a negative defender by this metric, whereas all the Aces players are in the positive. 
I just don't get, really get that, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I kind of just... I feel like this is just, like, that's, like, getting too complicated for reasons I don't totally, like, understand. Like, I... Like, I get it. I get that you want to, like, we want to be qualitative, and I, I think that's useful. I think, like, a robust MVP date is good. I just... I mean, I'm not here saying DraftKings looked at this positive residual no, database, but, no, but I'm, I'm just I'm saying just, that I'm, it's an interesting kind of mm-hmm. counterpoint, too. Yeah, I just... There's something to me with MVP where, like, I do have a little bit of, like, old school in my bones where I just, like, cannot, do I feel it? And, like... I feel it with like one player and then there's a second place one and it's Brandis who won Asia Wilson too. And I think that's like pretty definitive to me. Yeah. I mean, so he has 59 true shooting percentage. She has a 27 usage. She only turns the ball over 7% of the time. She's upped her assist rate this year, had to up her block rate as well because, you know, she's in help more and their perimeter defense isn't as good as what she had in Seattle and, and what, well, at, at times, so, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think if the Liberty could somehow get the one seed, that would obviously just unanimously clinch it. They're only one game back with basically, well, they have five left. The Aces have four left. So it very well could be that they get the one seed here. But I agree. It shouldn't be Asia first. And to me, it should be even more like minus two, three hundred for Stewie. Um, and I honestly think that Alyssa Thomas should be like, it, this is a three person race. This is not a two person race. This feels like in the NBA this year when Giannis was like a distant third for some reason third, by the yeah. end of the year when it should have been, you know, kind of three, three people in the running. But narrative drives I, I a lot, will, so obviously that's probably Yeah, what look, I will just say like, am I slightly biased because I got Brianna Stewart when she was plus 180 to win WMBP and I bet that, yes, I, I will admit a slight bit of bias. That was also that that like so well. Um, for, oh, look, I hope it was for your two, for your pocketbooks that that happens. It, look, it was a two dollar bet, Brennan. It was five, I'm gonna if I'm gonna five sixty. That's like a bagel and a coffee for you, boy. So you know, long term long term investing over here. Um, I think Brandon Stewart ultimately wins it, but we will see. Okay, is there any? chance brendan that the sun catch liberty knocked him down to three I have to, i'm gonna say what i have Go to ahead. edit this question like we should just talk about if the liberty can catch the, the aces. aces that's the big they're one game apart the 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 sun are four games back i i don't think that we're going to see that happen and they've been on a i don't think they're on necessarily a losing streak but they have not been playing great uh of late they they're lost like, to the wings a couple times so yeah I'm gonna say yes. Um, that the I know, Liberty like, catch the Aces. I'm gonna say it's it's like like so, like it's very possible. Um, I'm trying to see. I think the Liberty. Did the Aces have a game in hand? I believe. Oh no, the they Liberty played have a game one in hand. more. Yeah, the the Aces yeah, have so played one have, more game, but the Liberty yeah. have you know one more left. So yeah, the Aces have home. Three home games against the Mystics, Storm, and Mercury, which is pretty nice. Yep. The Mystics one is pretty big. That'll be on Thursday. We'll see what that looks like. But And then the only road game is also against Phoenix, who have already been uh, boxed out of a playoff spot and have nothing to play for. So they're playing the two worst teams in the league three times and then the Mystics. The Liberty have home against the Sun at Chicago, at Dallas, home against the Sparks, home against the Mystics. Those are all going to be incredibly competitive games. So schedule-wise, you would lean aces. They have the one-game advantage, but obviously the game in hand, as you mentioned, for New York. Like, I guess really to me what it comes down to is how much the Liberty care about it. Do they want it? Are they going to really try to go 5-0 and in these games and end the season on a nine-game winning streak? Or are they just going to let whatever happens, happens, and feel comfortable they can go into uh, the strip and win a game if they need to? Here's what I would say. I don't think it... Like from a will they make the final standpoint? I don't think it matters. But if I'm gaming this out, I think I would want to get one just to have like another little edge over the aces to maybe like give yourself like the the home court advantage. Like you, like I think there is value in them going for it and like going for Brooke, especially because like you don't have to turn around and play right away, right? Like you, like if you do this, it's not like like an NBA situation, per, like exactly where you can like kind of 
back yourself in and it's okay because everyone kind of does it. This is like, okay, if you're the best teams, you get a little bit of a reprieve for yourself and then you like you get you get a chance to like catch your breath mm-hmm. and then get going. Like you have a real advantage in that way. So if I'm them, I would pr- I would really go for it. I would be like, hey, you know what? Like we can secure a court advantage in a possible final series. We can really like it I, again. I don't think it matters too much to them who they would play. I guess theoretically, depending on how the schedule breaks, if you want, if this this requires like a little too much game theory. Yeah, but like, do you end up in a situation where like the Mystics are on your side of the bracket and you don't want that when you could have just like like not had that? Well, like, that's the thing I was gonna say is they got kind of lucky yeah. that the Mystics got healthy now because I would imagine there's not a good chance that Washington falls lower than six. And well, so, if they win to, if they win this game we're talking about, they jump to fifth. Yeah, it's very clustered, but I definitely don't think they're going to lose enough that Atlanta or LA would overtake them. So then you're in a situation where you don't have to worry about if you're the two seed playing the Mystics. I think the dream and sparks like you're going to feel good beating them probably in a in a best of three no matter what. So yeah, I think what you're saying is true. Like it'd be nice to try to avoid certain teams in the second round and all that, but like you're not going to. You know, Game okay, guys, we have a team meeting. We're going to lose this one and win that one in order to play this team in the second round. Like, you know, that's uh, that's unlikely. So, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I think I think it's interesting. I don't think the Sun uh, catch anybody. I think the I think one, two, and three are one, two, and three. Maybe the two jumps to one, like we just said, uh, and then really it's like kind of a free for all between four and eight, and it's going to go down to like the last game of the year next Sunday. Yeah, I think they should go for it. I really do. I really think it would benefit them if they just... I mean, it'd be pretty nice to go on a nine-game winning streak heading into the playoffs. Yeah, and you have the the benefit of beating the Aces in some high-profile games, including the Commissioner's Cup. You get the one seed. Like, you're going to get to have home court the whole way. Mm -hmm. Pretty nice. Like, if you get game... Like, like honestly, Brennan, as much as, like, I... We've talked about how good the Liberty are. If you tell me, like, the deciding factor is maybe they just got to be at home and the Aces aren't for Game 5, like, sure. Like, honestly, like, sure, tip it that way. I think that kind of stuff does matter. And, like, and again, you're not gearing up for a seven-round... A a possible seven-game first-round series. It's three games. Yes, there's some chaos built into that. Yes, but you're not like this isn't I think like ultimately like we would like to see maybe the league expand like the playoffs get longer because part of what makes the NBA playoffs so great is that like there's there's this long battle of attrition in some ways. The WNBA getting there would be really cool ultimately with more teams and longer rounds. Mm-hmm. But this it's it's 3-5 five, and 5. You do not have to necessarily worry about your gas tank for another 2 months. Like it's you're kind of in sprint mode now to some degree as much as you are still going to worry about conditioning and health and all of that. I do think like you have an opportunity here to really put your your foot on the gas pedal in a way you might not if this was an NBA question. So your other question here was uh, best game. Uh, I would kind of my my levy that into my my answers change because it would be Liberty Mystics to end the season. That that's the real answer. That this was I believe I came up with this question before we knew Elena Deladon was coming back. My new answer would be Liberty Liberty Mystics last day of the regular season. And I think we have Mystics Aces on Thursday, which we just mentioned, so that's a big one too. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll levy that into two games to watch and really a team to keep an eye on here. Tuesday night when we're recording this, the Sky play in Los Angeles, and then next Friday, September 8th, uh, they play home against the Minnesota Lynx. Those two games will basically decide if Chicago makes the playoffs. And maybe that doesn't matter because it's a battle for the eighth seed and you don't expect much for a, a team that's been below 500 most of the year. But I think when you look at that team, I would much I would want to play the Sky much less. Like They would worry me more in a pain-in-the-ass way than either the Sparks or the the Atlanta Dream because what the Sky have with their three perimeter scorers and Kalia Copper, Courtney Williams, and Marina Mabry, you probably can beat them if you're Vegas or the the Liberty, but that's a that's a really tough assignment to keep those three in check, deal with a really heavy firepower offense. You probably aren't going to 
win back to back and sweep them. You're pro- that series is probably going to three. The WNBA playoffs are weird where you get in a panic because the first rounds are so short. Like, I would not want to deal with that. So, uh, but from an entertainment standpoint, I don't care about who wins. So I want this guy in. I think they're much more, much more fun team than the Sparks are. And uh, kind of want Caitlin Clark in LA a little bit too. So keeping an eye forward, uh, looking on that, get them in the lottery, drop drop a great player back with the Sparks, get that franchise out of uh, out of the problem. So anyway, long way of saying, Sky this Thursday, this Wednesday, uh, as well as next Friday, that'll determine if they make it. And if they do, they could be a lot of fun. Can't disagree with anything there. I would prefer from basketball team. Would agree to see the the to see Chicago in there. I think for them, there might be. I would want, I, you know, I, how candidly they would answer this would be an, an open question. But it's like considering they had a coaching change this season and all this like weird stuff. I do just kind of would like. I would kind of. I do. Would ju- I would just be kind of curious to see, like, hey, like, can we just like make the playoffs? Be frisky? Is that enough to kind of like make ours feel a little bit better about how the season's ended up? I think that's like a real open question to me. It's just like, can't, is that like not even just more? that? But it's like they had an ownership change. All their players left. Like, if you're still on the Chicago Sky, you're probably feeling pretty, uh, pretty unwanted and and kind of like hung out to dry. And Kalia Copper's a free agent this this off season, so. How she yeah. feels about things to end this year matters for that reason as well. Yes. All right. Any other final WNBA things, Brendan, that we should be looking out for that you think we should be looking for this last little bit? No. I mean, the, we mentioned it uh, a little bit, but who doesn't make the playoffs becomes the lottery teams. The W counts last year's record and this year combined to seed the lottery, but Nevertheless, those four teams are the ones who have a shot at this generational draft class. So hell of a consolation prize if you do not make it in. And we know that Phoenix and Seattle already didn't. So Caitlin Clark, Paige Becker's watch, Angel Reese watch is officially on. And then as soon as this whole thing wraps up, we actually get to watch those three players and more uh, compete. So that's what's fun about the, the women's calendar, even though a lot of people don't want it that way. It's like it never ends. It's good stuff. The last thing I will say is I to go to the bottom of the league. Uh, I do just want to see the Indiana Fever continue to finish the season in a strong way. <laughs> like, yeah, they're still not good. Five, but five and five in their last ten. Mm-hmm. One three in a row. Hell like of Kelsey a win Mitchell. against Atlanta the other day. Yep. They came back from double digits down. Kelsey Mitchell had thirty six uh, against Seattle in a win. She was named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Like, can they just finish the season strong, be in a good position with the draft, and, like, maybe next year we're talking about them as, like, fighting for the 7 or 8 seed, and, like, that would be a massive show up for, like, inarguably one of the worst franchises we have, we have seen in the league for the last, like, decade. Shouts to Herb Simon. Yeah. It's not great, Bob. It's not... He's going to be saved by Tyrese Halliburton and Aaliyah Boston. Uh, by no and like, no uh, de- good decision making of his own, just just well, lucking he, into generational just, fun well, superstar and, and marketable players. Pick one of those other WNBA like next wave of WNBA stars that's going to fall in his lap. Just pick one, and he's like going to yep, be doing. He's about well. to get another. You're right. Just watch him end up with like Caitlin Clark. She might be like, I'm out, bro. She's I'm like, like nil sounds real good. I you know I love Iowa City. I love Gatorade's money or whatever <laughs> whatever she's well, getting. Well, she the the best one that Caitlin Clark has done that I just I think is it's like a real connection to like the San Antonio Spurs in terms of grocery ads. She's doing I think HEB like games like she's doing like guess what this product is that HEB sells. I think it was HEB and she'd be like it was just like a random like dry goods. She's like I think this is pasta and it was like oh yeah it's. It's it's actually macaroni, and it was like just. This, I'm like, how, how much money are you getting for these Instagram videos, Caitlin Clark? Hopefully, like ten thousand dollars a video. Hopefully, just like a crap ton of money. Hopefully, uh, Caleb Caleb Williams money or Bryce Young money. Uh, you you're probably very familiar with Caleb Williams. You're Arizona Cardinals fan. You Brendan Clean. All right, let's end there. I'm Chris Manning. That has been Brendan Clean. Check out look, check out the final stretch of the maybe season. It's really good basketball. That in FIBA is a great way to just dive into some hoops the next several weeks. The playoffs are going to be awesome. 
the Liberty and the Aces on this collision course. Elena Dalton back. The Cassander there. The I mean, we didn't really even talk about the Wings in this episode, but like that team is still very much in the thick of it. There's a ton to dive into, ton to seek your t- sink your teeth into. Even if you don't have a team you're rooting for, pick one for this playoff run. Have a good time with it. I think you'll have a good time. Enjoy the hoops. Thanks again to Dylan Heiser for production. Back at you after the Labor Day weekend. Enjoy, folks.